Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston shares a devotional that will speak to you no matter what your current relationship is with your teen. Let's hear what Mark has to say. Here's a scripture, uh, perhaps to start out your day. It says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. That's Proverbs 4, 7. Taylor Swift is one of the best-selling country pop artists of all time, and and she's a recipient of 10 Grammy Awards, uh, 23 Billboard Music Awards, 12 Country Music Association Awards, and countless others. Too many to list, and all these accolades uh, meant nothing to my two granddaughters, uh, but they just wanted to see her in concert, and they were dying to to see this popular artist perform. Uh, And when they found out that old T-Swizzle was coming to Shreveport, Louisiana, which is just 40 miles away from us, No one would rest until the tickets were secured. And so my daughter was charged with purchasing the tickets. It was going to be my wife and I and my daughter and her two kids and two of uh, my grandkids' friends. And and she quickly purchased the tickets right before the concert sold out. And so the day came and and all of us were set off for the concert. Uh, Two little girls dressed like Taylor one mom wanting to please her kids and two grandparents who love country music and and wanted to see this phenomenon uh, perform and this phenomenon called Taylor Swift. You know, Jane and I have been through quite a few uh, uh, venues and and have gone to a number of concerts throughout our lives. And uh, my first concert was a Beatles concert in uh, September 16th, 1964. Uh, I accepted Christ at a Beach Boys concert. Um and then Jan and I ended up, um, uh, when we first started dating, the, the, the concert was a Led Zeppelin concert. And, uh, of course, Jan's always asked, and I've always tried to get the best. She's always said, hey, did you get good seats? And, uh, and it would always be, yeah, we're sitting close. Yeah, we're sitting really close. You know, so I, I love sitting up front. I've just gotten to that point in life where I feel like I deserve it. Matter of fact, I want it more than anything else. And if I'm not sitting up front, I doubt that I'll ever go to a concert. Because my first question now when people say, hey, do you want to come see the Eagles or do you want to come see whoever? I go, where are the tickets? And they go, they're up front. I'm in. I'm in. I, I'll meet you there. So my daughter didn't have this in mind that I wanted to sit up front when she purchased the tickets for the Taylor Swift concert. And so when we entered the 20,000-seat arena, uh, we trudged up and up to our seats and further and further from the stage and finally ending up in the top section in the very last row. I mean, we were as far away from the stage um, as anybody could have been. And I looked at my daughter and I said, what are these? T- you got to be kidding me. I mean, I, every time I tilted my head backwards, I'd touch concrete. And I go, sweetheart, you can't get any further back. And and so there I said, uh, you know, the only man in the whole arena with the worst seats in the house. And so I made a big deal out of it. This is awful. This is miserable. This is terrible. There's not anything that could be worse than this, that us sitting in the very back of an arena watching a concert. And so um, 
I looked at my daughter with this with this mindset of what kind of seats are these uh, kind of look, and she told me they were the only ones that were available to purchase. And then came the now famous and unforgettable statement that the, my granddaughter, Macy, who was five years old at the time, she turned around and looked at me after I complained and complained and complained about how bad everything was. She said, hey, Papa, these are the best seats in the whole place. You can see everything from here. And you know what that was? Perspective. It was all in her perspective, that big picture view that helps you see more than what's evident and beyond that, which is right in front of you. You know, and, and for teens today, I've got to tell you that I think that perspective has been lost. The impact of today's actions on one's later life or the results of poor choices and the consequences for not following rules are largely ignored because parents have lost their ability to influence their kids through giving them a bigger picture perspective in their parenting relationship. And, and, and the reason I think this is because moms and dads have moved from parenting to parenting in an attempt to create a relational environment that was perhaps not present when they were raised. But that movement, coupled with the teen's perception of not needing to respect and support those in authority, has now cut the legs off of mom and dad in their ability to guide and influence. So teens now rely more on their peers than they do their parents, creating a blind-leading-the-blind scenario that hardly fosters maturity. It barely encourages responsibility. And certainly, it can't be the fountain of wisdom that our kids are looking for. You know, there's a, there's a guy that I read um, a couple of years ago, and he's a, a family physician named Leonard Sachs. And he wrote a book called uh, The Collapse of Parenting, a very insightful book. And he says this on page 198. I remember it. He says this, the most serious consequences of the shift from a parenting-oriented culture to a peer-oriented culture is that parents no longer are able to provide that big picture to their children. So do you see where I'm headed? I'm not saying parents are ineffective in their parenting. You know, I, I spend 200 nights a year on the road leading parenting conferences around the country in an attempt to help moms and dads better understand the teen world and how it how to counter the contrary culture um, that's working overtime to undermine any parent in this country. Um, I do believe that parents have to be relational in their approach to teens, but they can't lead in such an authority, uh, authoritarian way that, that pushes away their child. So uh, instead, they need to use our God-given authority in a relational way to lead and empower their teens to be respecters of the whole family you know, but they need backup. And we've already stated that we're glad we don't have to grow up in this adolescent culture. I mean, I know that I would have been a mess in my junior high school years if I had access to some of the imagery and information that our kids are exposed to on a daily basis. Well, but, but here's the thing. Your kids do have to grow up in this culture, and they have to function and survive in a world that's different from the world that, that their parents and grandparents grew up in. And that doesn't mean it's worse or bad or doomed. It just means that it's different. So different means you must approach your kids from a different angle. And that's usually one that allows you to be invited to speak truth into their life, not forced, you know, because of your authority. 
And so not only must you develop an understanding of what is happening in their culture, but you must also, you know, possess the ability to see beyond what's right in front of them and offer a voice of wisdom to guide and direct your teens to a better place. You can help them understand the purpose and the reasons behind what you're asking of them. You can give them a big picture perspective. They may have the internet, but you have experience. They may be able to ask Siri or Alexa, but no newfangled gadget can speak the truth about the meaning of life and love and relationships but you can. The world they live in is, is quite different than the one that you and I grew up in. Um, but it's all they know. And what is totally foreign to you is absolutely common to them. So gaining an understanding of their world and culture without condemning or criticizing it helps you in your approach to, to, to draw them into your source of wisdom. And so let me share a few of the challenges that, that are facing our kids today. Not only is there a lack of respect for authority, but there's also an extreme lack of respect for one another. You know, media depicts politicians, pastors, police officers, teachers, administrators, businessmen and women, uh, coaches, priests and parents as people not worthy of respect. You know, the current American, and, and it's really it's the Western culture, encourages voicing disrespect of anything um, and with anyone that you don't agree with. So this political correctness hampers the ability to speak freely and the rights of all, you know, have so far encouraged more division than they've encouraged unity. And the difficulty with this culture of disrespect is that the wisdom that can be attained from people in authority has already been tossed out before any of it can be transferred. Do you see where I'm going in this? The amount of information at everyone's fingertips has overloaded our lives. I mean, think about the sources of information you had when you were growing up. There were three main TV stations. There was a newspaper and the radio. And now there are countless ways to find, just find out everything, just about anything that you want. The need to get information from friends and family is almost nil. So teens today are stuffed with information, yet starving for wisdom. So think about it. Communication is at your fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Text messaging apps, social media, and image messaging sites are changing the way we communicate. Dating sites now account for over 50% of the marriages in the U.S. Millions of pictures are sent on a daily basis. Millions of videos posted on anything you can think of. Social networking sites are changing the social structure of the adolescent world and providing a false sense of connection with one another. Pornography and sexually explicit videos are readily available, changing the rules of modesty and permissible sexual behavior. You know, teens live in a culture where alternative lifestyles are promoted, prominent, and prevalent. Gender confusion abounds. Young men hardly know what it means to be a man, and young girls struggle to know what it is to be a woman. There's an extreme absence of role models. Teens are becoming frailer. Everybody wants to be famous. Adolescents are moving more and more toward being overweight, out of shape, and suicidal. And more kids are on medication as ever before. So as a parent, you can spin time with your teens arguing any one of those points that I've just mentioned. 
sharing everything that is wrong with their teen culture, but that's not going to build a relationship with them. And even though it's all true, you'll accomplish nothing except to send a clear message that you are so disconnected from this generation um, and maybe one that's just purely clueless. Yes, you can spend all your time criticizing their culture, but it'll get you nowhere. It's like this. Do you have pet peeves? Well, I have pet peeves. I mean, there's some things that that just bug me and seem odd to me. It's like, yeah, I, you know, it's like I know that I'm getting older, and so th- I know that things bother me a little bit more than used to. But there are just some elements of this culture that scream, you know, there's something wrong here. What are we doing? And I know it's a result of this performance-driven and appearance-focused world that we live in. But here's what bugs me. It feels like people are trying to outdo and outshine one another on the internet, seeking this false approval of social media followers instead of building real relationships with loved ones right in front of them. There are individual posts on the internet, you know, screaming, will somebody just look at me? Will someone just value me? Here are some things that I see. I see a a dad and a daughter in a video from her wedding doing a special dance that sometimes seems like it has little to do with celebration and more to do with the need for attention. Or I see kids going to proms that have very little to do with wanting to dress up and more about just showing off. I see pictures and, and videos of couples' wedding showers that just seems odd to me. It seems like every pregnancy now automatically comes with a gender reveal party. And don't get me started on the videos of people getting engaged that sometimes seem more about putting an over, putting on an over-the-top show than about recording a special moment of their love for each other. And I know by mentioning these, I'm probably revealing my age just a little bit, but, but I'm sure that you can list some things that bug you as well. Your pet peeves may differ from my list, but I think we all have things that bother us. And here's the best way I can handle those cultural differences and things I don't agree with. You know how I do it? I keep my mouth shut. Why on earth would I do that? Why would I let my grandkids in this culture get away with such nonsense when I know better? It's because the Bible tells me so. And it says this in Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. It's Proverbs 17, 28. Yep, sometimes we communicate loudest and smartest when we say nothing at all. You know, your role as a parent isn't to point out everything that's wrong with this country, this culture, what the world is going through. Your role is to give a different perspective to your kid's world that to us appears to have gone crazy, but to them it's very normal. And again, it it starts with uh, first an understanding uh, of the world that they live in and the value of your role in their lives. You can't be a clueless outsider who just drops in from time to time with what you think is wisdom, but sounds to them like a whole lot of uh, uninformed criticism. If you don't understand, it, it will hamper your relationship and it prevents the transfer of biblical truths and principles and stories that carry on the legacy of your family. See, teens live in a world searching for someone, anyone to listen and watch, and they long for someone who understands the world 
and will help them understand it. And here's the key. They need someone who looks at life from a bigger picture perspective and compassionately communicates the path to take to avoid mistakes and choices that could negatively affect their lives. And you know what it's called? Perspective. It's perspective. Okay, let me finish my story about Taylor Swift. Okay, we're sitting in the back of this place, right? My head's banging up against the concrete as, as you know, thousands of little girls around me are screaming at their top of the lungs. And remember, from my perspective, these were the worst seats in the house. But my little Macy, bless her heart, thought they were the best. 45 minutes into the concert, uh, my perspective changed too. And much to my surprise and amazement, 45 minutes after uh, everything started, Taylor Swift was standing right next to me. She'd come to the back, the very back of the venue to sing to everyone seated a million miles away from the stage. I now see why so many people adore this young lady. Now I got to see her face to face. Looking at her from our seat, she looked like a little ant. <laughs> she looked like a little ant on the stage playing a guitar. So she sat there and sang a few songs, and then she left. And, and uh, my granddaughter, Macy, turned around and looked at me after all my griping and complaining, all of my uh, challenges of what was best for us. And she goes, see, Papa, I told you these were the best seats in the house. And, you know, she was right. They were the best seats in the house. It's all about perspective. Hey, if you need help kind of giving your perspective and you don't know how to, to do that, I would encourage you to, to uh, maybe do a couple of things. And, and uh, go to parentingtodaysteens.org, and there's a couple of books in there that I think could help you immensely. Uh, one is called Tough Guys and Drama Queens. I, I wrote it a few years ago, but it's perfect for this time. And, and it's just helping people understand um, what kids are going through and how some of our parenting techniques aren't working and how we can engage differently. The the other book that I would encourage you to read, which also uh, comes in a small group series and, and uh, which is perfect for starting conversations among your small group or community group or Sunday school or uh, any kind of class, a parenting class you have, but it's called Raising Teens in a Contrary Culture. But there are two books that I think would, would help you in the way that you engage with your kids, and it may just further your relationship a little bit so you get to a point where... Uh, where you have kids coming to you because you can help give them a different perspective on everything that's happening in the culture today. So be sure to go to parentingtodaysteens.org, visit there, go to our Heartlight Stories YouTube channel, subscribe to those things, and you'll get a, uh, a video of encouragement every week. And, uh, and I would tell you, sign up for our, our new app that, that has so much information on it. It is just unbelievable. Hey, I hope you have a great week and a blessed day. Take care. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. 
For more information, visit ParentingTodaysTeens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit HeartlightMinistries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.